Welcome to episode number 44, Live Your Dash. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. All right, you're now tuned in to the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Heck, Manny, Gabe, and we have a special guest, Devin DeShields. What's up? My name is Devin DeShields. There he is. (laughs) This podcast is titled Live Your Dash. In this episode, we have special guest Devin DeShields, the creator of the Dashy Factory. After giving us a brief bio on himself, Devin explains the Dashy Factory, why he started it, and what the vision is for the company. We were lucky enough for him to explain his new collection, The Quarter Life, which is a new digital series inspired by true stories, Ted Max Food Shack, a new pop-up cooking show, and of course, The Hammy Grail, which is a new book Devin authored, and it's now available on iTunes. We wrapped the episode up with quotes from Les Brown and Lewis Tomlinson. All right, so you guys know the drill. I like to define something from dictionary.com and I define the word dash, which is defined as spirited action, vigor in action, or style. So this one is titled Live Your Dash. If you're new, thank you. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We drop an episode every Tuesday morning. All right, so we had... Uh, Devin here with us in the studio and we kind of wanted to drill him down with some questions as to who he is, uh, where he's going and how it all happened. So Devin, give us a little bit, um, a background about yourself aside from your career path professionally and then how it separates from what you're doing uh, on the side well let's uh so i, I understand the podcast is called what's, what's today's the uh, live your dash but yes. my name is devin DeShields, but my nickname is dash for no reason and the reason for that is because i just started telling people one day my name is dash when they asked me like oh what's your name and i'd say dash that's what's going to be for now <laughs> are you serious <laughs> <It's legitimately>. just, <laughs> that's great from age one to 18 i was devin devin to shields and then i went to college and i was like you know what i'm going to try something different so the first time someone asked me my name was i was like i, I speak very fast yeah. so they were like what's your name devin shields huh De- devin shields dash you know what the Incredibles Bash. just started. That's I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that. And legitimately, like, after that first person asked me what my name was and they said Dash, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm right with that. That's a cool nickname. I think so. Yeah, I like And then that. So people always ask you, like, uh, so why do they call you Dash? And I'm like, oh, I was fast in high school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I thought that. I, was, I, was so I thought you were going to say it was school. And yeah, I think I might have said, like, uh, oh, it's the beginning of my first name and the end of my last name. It's not, but people would, like, <laughs> don't care. Like, when yeah, you're a yeah. freshman in college, no one cares what the reasonings for anything is. Yeah. I could have said anything. They're like, oh, yeah, it's cool. All right, I'll call you Dash from now on. So, right. But that's the the nickname that I ended up keeping. I didn't think it was going to last. And, you know, my nickname became Dash. My name became Dash for, for a lot of years. And then, uh, so the website that I created was called the Dashy Factory because, I mean, as I became Dash or as I kept using a nickname, I would do Dashy things. Like, I don't know, just be humorous and do things that people didn't expect or whatever. And she'd be like, oh, he's just being Dashy or whatever. Uh, so, 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 so is Dashy your alter ego? Yeah. Dash is the alter ego. That's his Sasha. Devin was, yes, Devin <laughs> is a, a person and Dash is legitimately a, a character that I was able to just harness i guess and just do huh. things under the name of dash and 
I don't know. I but guess then you could it. disown it when it was like when it was time to. I, I can't really disown it. It's, yeah. it's like oh man, <laughs> because now as, as, honest. A, as a grown man now, you know, I introduce myself as Devin. It's like your name is Dash. I'm like, no, it's not. My name is actually Devin, and you know this. Like you know my mother, you, you know my father. Because now you just can't get away from it. Yeah, you can, and as yeah, as I've gotten older, like you know, I like to be taken seriously sometimes, but it's like nah, See, that's now, Dash. Here, but here's the thing, though. How did it work when you went back home? Oh, okay. So, so, cause that's always weird. Cause we had a friend who like totally went thug when he went okay. to college and then came back. We're like, okay. You're so, soft. Uh, you can't just transition to being thug all of a sudden. I, I understand. And he completely. lied to everybody. When I was in, <laughs> so I went, I grew up in South Jersey, like okay. 30 minutes from Temple. So okay. when I went to college, uh, I lived on campus, but a lot of my friends, they either went to Rutgers, New Brunswick, or they went to, you know, Camden County around, or they, they were close by. Yeah. So I pretty much took all my friends with me to college. So, mm. Thursday nights come to temple. Friday nights come to temple. So Monday afternoon or Monday morning, they would go back to. And I had friends that I had basketball teammates, and whatnot, and they would go to high school on Monday morning. Yeah. So they were going back and telling their friends stories of things that were going on at temple, and I'm like, Yeah, my name is Dash, and you were doing things with Dash at temple. <laughs> so when you say it's alter ego, like people at high school would be like, Oh, was at temple hanging out with Dash? Like who's Dash? Like, he goes to temple, and he Devin introduced us, and that's what it was. So I mean, when I go home, people knew like. Then my friends knew that there were two people. There was, yeah, you know, I was going to temple hanging with Devin, and they met some kid named Dash. Dash. And that was that. It wasn't like, <laughs> oh, I'm hanging. What your name is Dash now? Like, no, no, Dash is at Temple. Uh, and if you come to Temple, you can meet him. So that's great. So what happens with Dash stays with Dash. Right. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. And then, so, all right. So then you moved on to. So was your career path at Temple what you do now? No. No, I went to school for education purposes to to go and teach other kids to i wanted to go to school and be a high school history teacher and uh that was the goal like only because like oh they get summers off and you know i've been in school my whole life so why can't i teach it yeah, for yeah, the rest yeah. of my life and yeah yeah i didn't didn't work out so, so that's uh, fascinating though history what what i just liked i always liked um historical stuff yeah like i like legitimately i could go through i, I really liked american history like, okay um not so much world history, but I really, really liked American history, yeah. cultural influences, and all that kind of stuff. And I just like I wanted, to, I, and, it, and history came easy to me. So okay. I was like, I can teach it because I know it well. And, I, and actually, my freshman year, I uh, I did take a like I took a world history course or something like that, civilizations, and I, I ended up tutoring some kids in my class. I don't know how that happened, but they were like, you know what you're doing, you know how to write, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Help us write these papers and take these tests. So I actually even tutored people. Yeah. Um, See what I like about history is that it's not it doesn't change. No, I, there's other topics where it's like oh you have to stay like an IT guy that's constantly changing. You have to constantly stay educated. I'm I'm sure you can expand your horizons to get more in depth with certain yeah, topics, like, but it's still generally like the, it's the same. Or past like, is the past. The past is the past, and you kind of learn different influences. Like if you know you know this war started for this reason, but yeah. like, there's different sides to every story. So right, true. I mean, but for me, it was just like it's easy so yeah. why not you know go into it after high school or after after college but so you studied history mm -hmm. and then somehow i got the very... creative part of you came out and because even just talking right now i just already feel like there's a lot of creativeness just yeah I, I don't know if i i think everybody's creative everybody says like oh you know you see things differently i don't think anybody i think we all see things differently that yeah. doesn't yeah. make anybody i think we're all unique yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I think I do see things differently than other people. It doesn't make me any more or less creative than anyone else. Gotcha. But uh, to deviate away from, you know, wanting to teach, I just, 
I, uh, I've always enjoyed good stories, like storytellers. Uh, have like the best storyteller ever. I feel like is Magic Johnson. Like I can listen to him or Charles Barkley. Like just tell stories about yeah, the NBA. Knucklehead. I, I'll, I'll enjoy it I, <laughs> forever. Any, yeah. like, anytime, um, like any any athlete or, or entertainer wants to tell a story, like I sit and listen. So, um, and I enjoy a good story, and I think I can tell a good story. So, I wanted to be a storyteller, not necessarily like a teacher of of history. So, yeah. I don't know where the creative stuff came. I mean, just different mediums to do things, and um, they're more accessible now. Like, yeah. you guys want to start a podcast? Well, let's just, you know, let's, <laughs> yo, send the kids to bed. We're going to do a podcast. <laughs> exactly. And you can do that now. Yeah. Like, you want to write a book? All right, sit down, type some words on a paper, and turn into a book. Like, everything is so accessible now. There's so. a lot more different um, outlets you can do. Right. Use, use. Yeah, like, uh, and, and you, you literally can do anything mm. um, if you just figure it out so I, I think i just took that route at, at some point just like let me just do something that nobody else is doing like i don't have any friends that wrote a book before right i'll be that friend then yeah, yeah, yeah. so is that the motivation behind the book uh yeah F, yeah that was one of the motivations um just to legitimately i have friends that i have a lot of different friends who do a lot of different things but i don't have anybody that wrote a book before so yeah. it's like and I, I you know we all sit in the same basement or the same porch and tell the same stories to each other and i'm just like I can put this down. I could I could turn this into some type of oral history. So So the title of your book is The Hammy Grail. Um give us a little you know, I know you're already alluding to it, but a little bit of background and how it got started. Um I read a couple chapters, um, and I know Manny read the entire book. Mm-hmm. But uh so so just give us a little bit of background how this even came about. And you already like I said, the whole temple days and you had stories for days and well I, yeah i've always had like i always i i feel like i'm a harvester of stories like if you got a story i'll sit and listen to you yeah, and yeah, be yeah. like all right that's i mean i'm taking notes at all times like yeah. you did this like even when i was in the early days of college and you know sitting with old heads and we're sitting around drinking and whatnot they're talking about stuff that happened like last summer and i wasn't right. there for that right. so i'm like mm, i want to do that you know yeah, i want to yeah, yeah. you know, i want to have my own stories right so um you know, I was, I think I was working a job in North Jersey and they didn't, they didn't pay attention to me. Like I had an office in the back of, well, I was working at an alternative school in North Jersey. So I had an office in the back of the school. No one ever came to visit me. Yeah. I had unlimited internet access. <laughs> I had keys to the building. So I'm just like sitting here doing nothing all day. Like no one was ever checking on the work I was doing. I'm just yeah. legitimately getting paid to sit. And I just decided to start typing. And I was thinking about, like, I just left school for a little bit. And I was I was thinking about the old college days. So I just started writing stuff down. Started in my notes of my phone, just, like, you know, writing stuff, like, little blips. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I got stories. I'm going gonna, I'm ex- I'm gonna to expand them. And I made it into um, a bunch of different chapters. But basically, the stories was of the book. The purpose of the, the premise of this, of this book is fast times at Ridgemont High only for college. Like, you know, this is the fun time. Like, we all go to school. We all go, we get older, we grow up, and we do dumb things. I'm just putting it down on paper. I'm just, and I'm able to tell a story in a descriptive way. Um, and so I wanted to write a bunch of different stories. I learned some lessons along the way. And uh, that's that's basically it. It's just a, a funny story of college tales and misadventures. Um, it's called The Hammy Grill because the main character's name is Hamilton Carr, and he's called Hammy. So all right, his friends call him Ham Hamilton, and um, I mean the Ham like the Holy Grail is either something that can't be attained or a a strenuous journey. So yeah. we're looking for the ultimate college tale. So you're either trying to attain the ultimate college tale 
or the college error is the ultimate college tale. That's basically what the the book is about. So after reading the book, um, I mean these are these are situations and things that happen everywhere, right? Like every student goes through it. But after reading the book, um, how you portray these stories and the detail that you use in these stories, just take it to a whole nother level. When you're writing these books or when your thought process was going on, are you writing as you speak? Or do you have to think these lines out like, oh, that's going to be funny? Or do they just come to you kind of spitfire as you're going along? Well, I, I think I write. I try to write as I speak. Because, I mean, we live in this era of Twitter and Instagram and, 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 and posts on Facebook. And people like to read like these brain brain vomits. You know, you write from the brain onto the page or onto the page so you, or, so you can read it. So I try to write in a way where you can hear my voice. Um and then I go back and I'm like, all right, let's try to make this, let's try to make this uh, grammatically correct and whatnot. But I do write in a way where it's got to be descriptive. It's uh, I, I grew up watching a lot of stand up, and stand up is a guy with a mic or a girl with a mic, and they tell you a story, and you can listen because I used to listen to stand up. I had uh, Chris Rock's Bigger and Blacker on um, on CD. Like I didn't see the actual special at CD. first. I had it on a burn CD. Some kid named Brent who used to pick on me in high school, but he would sell us CD or burn CDs. <laughs> he, got, he got me bigger and blacker, and uh, he charged me. Like, he upcharged me too. But I, I'm like ten bucks, ten <laughs> bucks yes, for a burn. Yes, like everybody else is getting it for five, and it's like, all right, can I get it for five? He's like, no. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not eating today. So, um, so I used to, but I used to listen to a lot of stand up on CDs. So um, when I write, I look at it more so like it's stand up and it's storytelling. Um, and you have to be able to vision, uh, be able to envision what it is that I'm, I'm trying to convey. So it's very, it's a very descriptive book, like very yeah, descriptive. For for anybody who hasn't who who hasn't read it or will read it, if you enjoy being in somebody's head, kind of everybody has the other, you know, the little guy in your head speaking to you. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Like he's having a conversation with himself at all times, which I found fascinating. I was like, ah. He's literally going back and forth with the, the kind of the devil on his shoulder and the mm-hmm. angel on his shoulder, and he's going back and forth. Um, and it's just funny. It is it is an exceptionally funny book for sure. Yeah, the, the second I, I I picked up the book, I started reading it, and it was the first thing that popped in my mind. It's like I felt like I was there with him experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than a than a book that's so dry that you're not. There's nothing worse than a book that reads like a textbook. Yeah. Um, for educational purposes, and yes, there's content in there, but the way it was delivered is horrible. Mm-hmm. But this was, it was like one of those books where you wanted to, you wanted to go to the next chapter. You mm-hmm. wanted to, it just kept going because it was so descriptive. You're like, dude, I felt like I just did, I just went through this little experience, and the Hammy Grail has uh, a variety uh, of stories, and uh, I read the uh, the good the chapter the good book. So, so Manny popped me. He's like, all right, read this, read this, read this. Because I had a limited time. I only had it for like two days. Mm-hmm. but And I read the intro and the outro and stuff like that. But just in that you know, small excerpt, that's why I guess I read the book and I was thinking that's why I came with the whole creative thing. So I'm like, dude. And it's exactly the first thing Manny was saying. He's like, do you go back and rewrite or rethink how you're going to structure your sentences? Because the way the book flows... It's very it's it's laid out very well, and the the description. If if you're one of those people who just you probably I'm a slow reader, so you probably could read this book in a night. Um, yeah. If, yeah. If you know, it's uh, a quick. I think it's it's supposed to be a quick read. Like yeah. Whether it's engaging enough to read for a night, or you just like 
I mean, I got a little bit of time on my flight. Right. I, I feel like it's quick. Yeah. But, um, and so it's, is it really all your stories or it was the, I believe the intro said it was a collaboration of. Yeah. It's, I mean, one, it's a collaboration of, of a bunch of, like I have friends and we all have stories and like everybody's story is pretty much, it doesn't matter what school you went to. Like you, you've all experienced a red solo cup or yeah. a game flip cup or, or, yeah. you know, or, or been in a frat house. So a lot of these stories cross campuses. Right. But then, um, like a lot of stuff that you just have to change the names. Oh, I mean, we're all married here, so yeah. <laughs> so you gotta change, you gotta change venues or locations. You gotta change settings, and you gotta change names. But I mean, some stuff happened to me. I mean, and if you know me, you know if you if you're close to me, you kind of can pinpoint the things that I've influenced in the book. But yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that, I, like I said, I'm a storyteller. So I mean, I could take different sample material and make it flow into like I, Hammy Hammy Car is not a a real person yeah but i was able to craft all these stories from different ways be as descriptive as possible and make it in all his story so when 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 you disowned the character mm. and it wasn't you and it wasn't your boys oh. did it not get fun i feel like i would have fun with that like i, I feel like it's yeah like, it right, so now it's your... not this isn't me so let's Ye- make him do this so, too. Yeah. <laughs> all right so i'm i'm you know it's it's i'm a married man yeah and i my friends a lot of them are married too so a lot of these stories like we with my friends know them our wives know these stories so yeah. I mean, they would know, you know, who is what. Right. Um, so that's why the names had to change. So when I first had to change the names, I was all about, this is not authentic now. This sucks. Like, this is the worst. I'm not putting this out. I, yeah. don't, I, I can't get jiggy with this. It's not the <laughs> way I want to deal with. But then once I was able to, ch- it was kind of liberating because, all right, the names are changed and now I can I can, I can go more in. Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm a little bit, I'm, a, I'm free now You because they're, granted, the people that already know the stories, they're bought in. They get right. it. They read it. They were upset about it now they're over it by now right, right, um, right but the people that don't know me uh or, or or haven't weren't there in the moment they can just really just enjoy the storytelling yeah so i was able to be like all right i'm gonna make this as descriptive and as funny as possible for someone that doesn't know who i am somebody that went to school in oregon and like you know what i went to a party just like this and yeah. i knew a guy who was just like this or a chick did that to me once and I thought I was the only one. Like, <laughs> so that's what it, it really was when we, I was able to take the names out and make this into a, a fun college tale. It was liberating. How, I, I, how much was embellishment in the book or were these legitimate? Like, okay, so n- I don't want to say nothing is embellished. I'm just descriptive. So a lot of times my descriptions come with a lot of um, the way I describe things are for humor. Everything is true. Everything in the book happened. It's nothing's embellished. It's just how I describe it to make uh. it humorous. So I, I can leave, I can be happy with the book. Like, all right, this is a hundred percent true, and the names are changed because a lot of uh, everything in the book happened. I just was, I just had to tell it in a, an entertaining way. So I don't think anything's embellished. Every if you read each chapter, I was true to everything that happened. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote it how it happened. I just want you to be able to. My, see it mind you listeners this is the gentleman who was uh, at a hammy car as an 18 to 20 year old man so when you're reading these, right. think about the you know yeah i'm a grown man now but but that was also that was also a weird thing too writing these stories i had to write it from the first person perspective so i had to put myself back into like 19 year old mode that's not some place you want to go back to i went i went and uh <laughs> i went back on facebook and went through my old like i scrolled all the way back to like the first messages i was sending out wow. i was a terrible wow. person like i was a dumb person too like yeah 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 
hey there cutie with a booty like <laughs> like i should i shouldn't be married right now because yeah, yeah. i was a cornball like, yeah. it, it was terrible but i was i was trying to like you know i was also doing some writing i was i was doing like research stuff too like i'm mean, trying to remember certain stories so i went back and my like all the way down so apparently i started on facebook in 2006 and uh oh my god yeah that's i went that's i went started. all the wow. way back and it was it wasn't it wasn't pretty <laughs> i remember um not it was the facebook and literally the facebook it, yeah it was the facebook and i remember it not being what it is now right no, and no. we ever obviously it grew into what it is now but it was literally just messaging people yeah. i felt like and it was like you po- you had a post but it was really just there, there we're, was kind, no, we're yeah. trying to contact other people and temple the way temple like i felt like when we signed up I signed up when I was at. I guess I was a freshman. But you had to have an uh, EDU account yeah. anyway. Yeah, you had to. Oh, you had to get invited. Right. College. You had to get invited. Your school had to be a part of it of the network yeah. first. That's right. And so Temple had these like groups of like I guess like kids or whatever. Yeah. If they're like the hacky sackers over here. <laughs> they would start like their this own little you know invites and start inviting. Like, dude, how do I get invited into yeah. this thing? And you and had to be start... part of groups and all stuff. Yeah, and, you know, there wasn't a wall and all that stuff like it is now. There was, yeah, you know, it was all almost like an email, yeah. a messaging service. Yeah, yes, or like exactly. A, or no like pictures. A... You had one profile pic. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't. That was. I actually got invited uh, by one of my friends at Rutgers. Like, it wasn't a Temple student that invited me to like. He was like, "Are you on Facebook?" I'm like, "No, I don't know what that is." Oh, yeah, and it was on imitation. Imitation only. only. I got invited to Facebook through a Rutgers contact. So. Do you know how old that that makes us sound yeah. right now? Like, <laughs> we were at the beginning you. of the Facebook. The Facebook. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. We're the beta testers. Mm. All right, so moving right along, the Dashy Factory. Is this? Um, I'm on your website now. Is this? What's the point of the actual website itself? It's, it's a hub. So, being a creative person, like I don't. I, yeah, I wrote a book and and I you know produced a web series and I produced my friend's cooking show Ted Mac Food Check. Uh, I don't see myself as like one thing. I'm just a producer of content. Yeah. Um, I I can write because I want to produce a book, mm-hmm. or you know I can direct because I want to produce a web series. So the Dashy Factory is basically a hub of content, and the the purpose behind the premise behind the Dashy Factory is I wanted to have a place where different content can just be showcased. Mm. And it just so happens that I'm the first person. I invented it. I'm the guy, I created the, the site. Right. So what better way to promote the site by showing like, look, I can have this kind of content, you know, um, you know, different types of, of, of content that people don't normally see. So the book is about, you know, college times. And uh, the web series called Quarter Life is about the consequences of, of fast, fun college times. And yeah. then I just have a, an urban cooking show, a pop-up cooking show. We go to different cities and we'll like explore the city and then we'll do um, different recipes and drink recipes from that city and then we'll film it and it's, it's a, a strong focus on conversation and uh, not so much the recipes and, and people and just like shots people eating and enjoying the company of each other in, in, in a small intimate gathering. And that's just the first phase of it. Basically, I wanted to have, I wanted to do something where, so getting a little bit off topic, apparently Britain did some type of uh, mandate where they, with their films some some type of way um they need to diversify their films so they were saying like um two or one like you need to cast brown people or people of diversity in your films so that they can have all diverse films and i don't think that's personally the best way to diversify hollywood or the entertainment industry right. i think it's to go this route empower producers empower creators to make their own stories and then you'll get those genuinely these organic stories of diversity and that's what the dashy factory is about so i mean the goal is to put out good content so that 
somebody would want help putting out their good content gotcha. and then we can just keep paying it forward so Ted Max Food Shack. So this is your boy. Yeah, um, right. he's my frat brother. He decided he wants to. He's always been able to cook. Like, okay, he's not in this book. He's in the second one. But when we we're in college, he would always like cook for groups. Like, uh, you know, you go away for for Thanksgiving break or yeah. Yeah. Um, Christmas break. But then there's these people that you know might not be cl- close by. You know, they're in they're in this, they're at, at school for the over break. So he would just have people come by his house and he would just like have Thanksgiving and uh, mm-hmm. a big potluck. And that's what he, he did all throughout college. So now he's out of college and, you know, we don't want to go to these clubs and lounges and pay money and just hang out. So now he goes to your house and cooks for you and your friends and wow. we sit and chill and drink. Yeah, that's cool. And, that's, and we just said, you know what, let's get a camera going. We got some good conversation, got some good content. Let's, uh, let's film it. Let's throw a logo in there. Let's throw some music, cuss words. Let's have fun, <laughs> bad boy. Let's film it yeah. all, right? Yeah, that's awesome. We ha- we know a guy, um, Hermie. His his is called um, his little business that he has is called uh, Chow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. uh, Chef Hermie on Wheels. Mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, it's it's kind of like he has that. He doesn't. He videoed a couple, or he did like Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess the people. I'm I'm not sure how how it worked. I guess. I don't know if that was the direction he wanted to go in, but um, I found it fascinating watching other people eat and have their conversation. I know it sounds so creepy and weird, but um, they were like just talking. I'm like, because then when, when you're watching something, you try to, there you want to find a connection. Right. And like, do I have these conversations when I eat mm-hmm. with people? You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was like, well, what do they talk about when they're eating? Um, so then I started like connecting with it. And he, he didn't do it past that one or two times. And it, the first one, I guess it was just like, I don't think he meant to do it. He, he was cooking for a couple for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he, he really wanted to get all into that. I just think he's just promoting himself. But in that promotion, I found it fascinating. I'm like, wow, that's probably, that's pretty cool. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that's what this kind you, of you, is. You kind of like found that, I mean, we're not pitching to the Food Network because the content is just raw we're in there talking <laughs> we're in there talking so about it's not things. just the meat yes yeah we're, we're in there talking about stuff but i mean it gets uh, i mean we don't have really have scripted conversation points or i mean sometimes we'll have some things that we might want to touch on like if we're going to do a valentine's day episode like yeah. you know uh we'll talk about little things pertaining to relationships but for the most part it's really about all right we're going to maryland who, yeah. who do we know who lives in maryland all right we're yeah. going to go to your house all right call like five or six or seven or ten of your friends we're going to cook for you and you guys are going to have your own private party in your crib and it's not going to be about getting drunk and staying on couches you're just going to be in the house chilling with your friends having an organic conversation and and eating and maybe even learning like a new recipe or or whatnot so yeah is there a specific food that you think that he keeps trying to push or he prefers to cook or he you guys i do like the idea though you guys said you go and you're you're going to different cities and really when we go so we went to maine once and uh we had too much fun. We didn't even film anything. We just had fun in Maine. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, Maine is like home of the lobster. And we just were eating lobster, everything. We should have filmed that. but not, So we got to go back. Um, but he does like to make mac and cheese stuff. Like he loves yeah, yeah. crab. Everybody loves his crab mac and cheese. That sounds and, amazing. Uh, it, it tastes good. And everybody, lo- and he, I don't, it's easy for him to make. And he yeah. makes it in huge quantities. But um, that's like his go-to dish um when he comes to my house in philly he makes chicken and waffles like he's, i mean oh, he knows what it is nice no, that's good <laughs> you know, i've waffles? never had chicken and waffles Yo, chicken and waffles they're good is it goes, amazing it goes together very it doesn't well. make sense in my head but i can see why at the same time i didn't really start having it until maybe like 
not even like not, I don't have it on a consistent basis, but I'd never had it for the first time until like two or three years ago. Yeah, I yeah. So I had it. I had it when I went to North Carolina. My buddies lived down in North Carolina, mm-hmm. Wilbur and Gilbert, and uh, girl was like, "Yo, let's go to Bojangles," and no. I thought it was like a joke because it's Bojangles. Right. So you know, whatever we go down there. Sure enough, chicken, chicken and, waffles. and waffles and it's a thing and biscuits and chicken yeah. or however you and it's and it's fried chicken like you go to yeah. Popeyes and get fried chicken leg tried fly, fried uh, chicken wings it's fried chicken with right. waffles amazing but do you use syrup syrup yes yeah, yeah, use syrup yeah. but I, I'm okay it's so good. This, I guess this is what it's I'm trying good. to figure out so you eat a piece of chicken and then you bite into a waffle uh, I mean some place we I went to a place in Vegas they put the chicken on t- two waffles like a, a like sandwich. sandwich yeah mm! wow. <laughs> I've had that a chicken a chicken breast wow. like a chicken patty type breast yep, yep, and then yep. they put I've had it with pancakes lettuce, and, and uh, oh. biscuit oh. yeah no that's good it's yeah. good stuff put lettuce tomato and everything what, Mc, yeah. what, what, that, what does McDonald's is a McGriddle that's what that reminded me of when you said that what is a McGriddle anyway McGriddle is exactly like two pancakes a pancake with a sausage like sausage and egg and stuff in between death Chick, wow. Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A has a breakfast uh, biscuit and chicken sandwich and they give you little tater tots not Which playing, is they good around out here Chick- no more, man. Chick Fil A is amazing, so <laughs> they can do whatever they want. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. All right, so explain the quarter life series. Um, what your role is and how you started. So on the Dashy Factory, Devin explains or Dash explains um, a few things of um, basically he. This is a hub. So one of the things that are on here is a uh, a video series that I watched and was in tears laughing at some of these episodes but how in the world did that even come about because again i feel like some of the stuff is so random but at the same time it makes sense some stuff is random but i mean for the most part like we're we're part of this boomerang generation that yeah. goes away to school and ends up going right back home yeah. um a lot of stuff like everything that i write or do like there's there's some type of connection to my life or uh somebody else's life that i was able to take this take from so the quarter life chronicles is basically like the consequences of having fun and 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 doing whatever you want as a kid. Because when we're in college, it's like it's a fake real life. You know, yeah, you're in a yeah. bubble. Mm. Yeah, you get to stay up late and you're on your own, but not really. You know, you're not yeah. really paying rent. You're living in a dorm and yeah. you got free cable. It's yeah. not real. Yeah. So then once you get into the real world, like it it comes really quickly, and um, it's basically about like you know, it it, it the series is is about like. When you, when all that hubbub of I just graduated and I got my first job and I'm living on my own, like really on my own, and I got my own apartment or my own roommate, when that dies down, like this is it, like for the rest of your life until yeah. like maybe marriage or having a kid, like this is what you're doing from now on. And I know a lot of people struggle with that, like at age 24 or 25, like I'm working an entry level gig and I don't know if I want to move up or not. Like, or yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I want to even, do I want to go back to school? So, quarter life is basically that that crisis that you know our generation and every generation i feel like has gone through this but like we're millennials and everything hurts hard worse to us but um it's it's, <laughs> it's so true it's, uh, nobody's it ever, hurts so good yeah like <laughs> nobody's ever been in de- like yeah we, we, everybody's been in debt but like uh, we're really hurting from it but um it's basically just about coming to grips with i mean you know real things happen like the main character he loses his job in episode one and uh that actually happened to me in, in real life like i got called down to an office and they were like your credit report is awful. We can't give you a company card. So instead of not giving you a company card, you're just fired. And that was the day. Like that was that there was no lunch. Dude, that was what? the one I watched. That I was, could not that was stop real? laughing. That was real. This that was their determination because with your credit mission. report. Yeah. Because it was a position where I, I because it was a position where, you know, uh, I, I was working at a college. Okay. And um 
you're supposed to go and you know do do um God, like the college tours and all that kind of stuff and you're supposed to be able to represent the school well and they, you know sometimes you travel so i guess they you get there's sometimes they give you credit cards and whatnot so they had decided at this point in time to start to revamp their background checks and how they do that so anybody <laughs> that had been hired already had to go through another background check so i'd been hired i've been working there for a couple months and they were just like hey red flag you have terrible credit we don't know if we like that. So <laughs> that's wild. That's crazy. give us the keys, cuz, so and, and, and go so home. Two months to reconsider your basically. Hiring. They were just like, Yo, we didn't know this. That if you had told us up front, we wouldn't hire you. I was like, Well, I didn't say up front because my credit report is actually terrible, and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't know that, that was a that? thing. Well, I was hoping you wouldn't find out. And they, I mean, and if they, in real life, like. So what happened in real life, like to me, was I got fired and I was like, Cool, and I walked out. Like it was that I, I was so taken aback that I was just like, you know what? You're supposed to fire somebody like me. And I just yeah. walked right out and <laughs> yeah. got in my car. And then I went home and reevaluated, like, yo, there's no more paychecks coming in. So yeah. I, I went back to the office the next day and I like had like a real conversation, you know, with the with the HR director. And she was like, why didn't you say this yesterday? Like, we just thought it was over. So they, they hired me back. But uh, that was a crazy like 24 hours. Like I didn't, so, I, I wasn't So they good. fired you and then they, rehired you the next day? They fired me and rehired me. That's that, it amazing. was that, yeah it was and, good and job i don't know what that was about that was a weird 24 hours and i didn't even my work was not the same after that either i was like you guys are firing cats for nothing out here so, you yeah. went to the, like the stage there, of grief yeah there's no there's no I'm, I, I didn't it all but it all happened like right after i walked out of the office i sat in a car and everything just hit me and with a denial like, and a acceptance <laughs> the yeah i got the acceptance <laughs> i hit me with the acceptance i went home and i was like i went home and i got mad and i was like right, i'm coming back in tomorrow now you're not just gonna fire me for nothing. I'm going to get escorted out of this, John. So that was that. With, with, with the web series and in the book, I mean, is there a preference? Obviously, you can do both. What would do you prefer, writing over producing or vice versa? They both have different things. So they're, they're both very different. Both of them entail writing. Um, the reason why I did the web series is because when I finished the first book, I just kept writing and I wanted to, and, and, like, as I was writing the second book, I was like, I don't want to write any chapters anymore. Let me just turn something into a script. So I just ended up deciding I'm going to turn these chapters into scripts and different stories. And, and uh, But when you write scripts, then you have to film scripts. You have to cast them. You have to produce the episodes. You can find locations. Um, and that in itself is a different thing I had to teach myself. So I, I think I prefer writing the books because it's just me. I don't have to really go out. I don't have to go out and find sound and the crew. Um, I don't have to go find editors. I don't have to cast anything. I can just write and go find editors um, and then write again. Uh, but as far as the production aspect of things, the visuals, I like that. I like that component, but I just don't. I'm not saying I don't like doing the web series. Um, I'm just really, really involved in web series in ways that I'm not so much involved with the book. And I just kind of like to write and be done with it. In in writing the book, how much internal conflict do you have with as far as, you know, should that be in there, going back and editing edit it again and then edit it one more time and then re-editing. Is there such thing as just overkill and overthinking and overanalyzation? Yeah, when I was in first grade... Uh, wow. <laughs> he went back. He went, he's really flecting. Because <laughs> you asked me that because I, I, I find it funny because I, I'll look at the book now and I'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have put that. Not like I shouldn't have put it in there, but oh, I shouldn't have said that differently. I'm doing yeah. this thing right now where I'm putting like a quote of the, uh, from the book a day on my on my Twitter page. Oh, nice. And it's like, um, I don't got it. Like, I to convey what you want to say in 140 characters, I don't. I don't know how Trump does it, but yeah. it's, it's apparently it's doable. I can't do it's it. It's so limiting. Yeah, I actually deleted Twitter because of that. It, it's hard. It frustrated to, me. Yeah, I don't. And, and so I'm looking for quotes, and I'm I'm not. I'm long winded, so um, 
I'm more so now when I look at the book, I'm like, I could have wrote that better. Or I could have put that in a better way. Um, but when I look at it, I don't ever look at it like I shouldn't. When I'm actually writing, I don't really think I do anything crazy. There were two. I'm like, oh, that's just too much. Mm. I have a wife for that. So she, she'll read it <laughs> and she'll be like, come on, man. I got a family and I don't want them to read that. So like she's kind of like my checks and balances. But I don't think I, I don't personally think that I need to, you know, censor myself when I write because I don't think I write anything super outrageous. But um, she actually is a, a good checks and balances for me. But uh, so is this your lane? Is is comedy your lane? I don't. I, I um. Could you do a documentary, a serious documentary? Could you produce yeah, that's, something? Yeah, that's the next thing that we're working on. Working on a docu series called Other Guys, where we're interviewing. Um, we're doing an interview series of uh, minorities in high growth sector positions. So like, just so that people know that minorities don't have to just rap and play sports, they can get high paying jobs out of college dude i thought you industries. said they can just get high no no no, 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 no. <laughs> what the hell kind of message is no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, you don't play sports man. You smoke this ganja no no I, but i mean i i that's something i do want to um get in different like i like the comedy every there's going to be a, a there's going to be a uh some comedic significance in everything i do but i definitely could do like a docu or in docu series or documentary or interview series but um I like the I like to make people laugh. I like to do the humorous stuff uh, here because it's easy. But I just like I like humor. I just think it's it's fun to make people laugh. Yes. So when you're coming up with content, whatever medium you're you know you decide to deliver it through, are do you have someone in mind? Like, is there someone that you look up to who has this kind of, um, I guess, creative sense, but in, in and, and delivers their, their material, but in a humorous way. Is there someone out there that you kind of like respect or look up to who does, who does this? Um, j- just for example, like um, uh, a, a guy that we we're talking about last week, like Adam Sandler or like mm. the Wayne brothers, they, yeah. they all kind of, or I also think of, uh, I don't know why, but I thought of uh, Jamie Foxx, how he did so many things. Right. And you're like, holy crap, this dude's a singer. Yeah. He could yeah. play instruments. He's a comedian. Like, it's fascinating to me when someone's that, you know, talented. Um, is there someone like that that you, or do you just... You no, know, um, I think I've always been a fan of Keenan Ivory Wayans. And I think it's because, like, I have come like, you guys have a big family. And yeah. so, like, you can't, and as you can see, you're all working together. Yeah. So, my thing has always been to put your people on put your like does use your brothers and your sisters and 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 not necessarily use them but use everybody's strengths to further the goal of advancement exactly so for me at a very young age like i loved keen ivory wayne's because his name was i love Lauren michaels because his name is on anything whether you know he's involved or not yeah, yeah, but yeah. keen ivory wayne's was a black guy i was putting his brothers in like his brothers that couldn't act at the time i'm yeah. gonna put you guys in films and his sister like if you watched um delirious uh no no if you watch uh eddie murphy's raw Mm. they do like this thing in the beginning where people are coming into this into the stadium and they're asking like testimonials yeah and the first female is kim wayans and Mm. keenan ivory wayans produced raw with uh robert townsend so it was like that's like that was like my first time noticing that 
This gotcha. dude's putting he's mad nepotism going on here. So yeah. <laughs> yes, and I'm all about it. Like I'm yeah, all yeah, about yeah. nepotism. So yeah. so my thing is, it's not like I look up to anybody specifically, like from a comedic standpoint or from like from an entrepreneurial standpoint. It's yeah. always been Keen Ivy Wayne's mm-hmm. because he's always put his people on his his friends and always gave them an opportunity. And that's basically what I I what I'm trying to do. I want to do not necessarily do my thing, but any project I have, like my brother is my brand manager. Like he's going to be the one that's marketing my brand, and. And my friends are in a web series and my friends edited the book. So, and my, the Ted Mack is my line brother. Like we're, we're frat brothers. Like the person that uh, shot the Ted Mack food shack is also our line brother. So I like to keep a lot of things in house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, Keenan Ivory is probably a guy that I most aspire to, to be like, just because he did it using his own network. There's, um, it's it's interesting too because when I wrote uh, when I wrote my book when I did the uh, motivation files the album I did the same thing I had a family friend did the beats for me I had uh, a high school buddy who did the whole the whole producing and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and there's this guy by the name of Ty Lopez he has this you know this this sixty four step process to attain the life you know that you always wanted or whatever anyway. In that, he talks about building relationships and maintaining relationships and also building a brand versus building an empire. Mm. And he says um, that one of the lessons that he learned is when you, his goal is to constantly put on people from his own town Mm. and his own family because he says, I guess statistics or whatever, science shows that you already have a language of your own that you don't have to recreate mm-hmm, while going right. through beginning stages. Like, yeah. so when you're creating something, there's already so many headaches that you're going to go through right. and, you know, complications or whatever. If you're communicate or you, if you're doing that with someone who doesn't know you, that the, the complication or difficulty is even higher because you got to explain little stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing it with my brothers or my cousins, you guys been around me, you're like, all right, we know how he operates. Right. Don't do that. Don't bring coffee into the studio. Pisses him yeah. off. Let's do that. And it's already stuff that you're avoiding. And boom, you're it's a smoother I was, transition. Yeah, I was just, me and Manny were just talking about it. Like, I don't like, I, when I, if, I to, if I have to shoot anything else, I'm going to use the, uh, the, the camera guys and the crew that I had for the web series because yeah. they know how I operate now. Exactly. But like for the first four episodes, like I wanted to curse people out so bad, <laughs> but it's not because I was so mad at them. It's just, I want to, I can't communicate the way I know how, like yeah. my friends know what my threshold for things are. Right. Right. And they know, like if I, if, if I cuss you out, it's not necessarily like on some anger. It's right. that's just how I talk. Right. So <laughs> by like the first four episodes, I was, it was really difficult for me to get through like the production of them. But by like episode eight, it was a lot of cussing going on on the set, like, and <laughs> because and and I like to, I, I I he knows I'm a night owl. Like I work like until like five in the morning on different projects, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm by myself. Like I'm texting I'm texting the camera guys like, oh, when you're editing, I want you to do this, and this is like four o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah, 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 I don't want to be limited to not. If I want to text you at four in the morning, I'm gonna I want to be able to do that. Yes, like, I need I need to be able to access you at all times yeah <laughs> whether you get a response or not you still send like yeah that when i was when i was first doing it not getting a response forget. yeah like yeah I have well, to, yeah absolutely but like when i wasn't getting a response like i'm sending a response right after that like yo you have to know that it's, this is coming at the middle of the night and don't feel offended or but i'm going to send this stuff to you and then yeah. you know he got used to it like sometimes he would respond sometimes he, he would be sleeping but at first I, I i felt bad about texting him like yo cut out scene three um from this mark and now be the end of the text like it's very abrupt and like and yeah, it's very demanding it's point. just i'm just trying to be like you know i'm just trying to 
get things done thorough yeah yeah so i got an idea it's gonna make it good do the thing that i think that can make it good right that's, that's it. it cool hmm. yeah that's i mean there's there's definitely something to be said with you know communication and and how and how we communicate it's funny that you mentioned a twitter thing because i was always i've i was always writing and doing stuff uh in our artistic way but i loved reading poems and poetry but I used to get so mad when, like a haiku or something like that, we had to write a certain way, right. and only so many lines, yeah. so many words. And don't, to don't me, put a box. Yes, that disrupted my whole creative thinking. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't even do this. Yeah. It's too it's, it's not creative. I can't. I could never be a rapper for that reason because you have to go for a certain whatever bar or whatever they call it. Not little and B. It just dry. Oh yeah. Well, there's some and people he, who just, just disregard talks. everything. <laughs> what uh, bet? Scarf. <laughs> And I don't. I just feel like it's 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 limiting. And and it's funny that you you mentioned the 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 Twitter thing because I literally got frustrated with Twitter. I was like, I can't explain myself. In yeah. and I do understand. You know, say it. Uh, Jim Rohn says, say it well. Brevity. Yeah. Um, say it with. When you explaining something to someone, don't abuse their time. But at the same time, it's like, well, uh, don't abuse my thought process right. because I have yeah. so much to say. Yeah. It's not. I'm not repeating myself. I still have. You know. Um, there's more. There's more in there that needs to come out. Maybe you're yeah, exactly. Well, I just thought. I, yeah, I just. Well, that's what you write a, an eight part tweet. Yes, exactly. And then just be obnoxious on whoever. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what you call it. Someone's. I'm wall, taking your whatever. timeline up now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so I I know on your website you you kind of offer up this um, connection to the world, um, and how they can contact you to do collaborations. Mm. What um and I. You also alluded to writing another book. What What's next or what are you looking for? What projects would you like to get into? And I know you, you mentioned the other guy. Was it called the other guys? Yeah, um, yeah, other guys. Other um, guys series. So so what's next? Right. Um, and then aside from what's next, what's, what would be cool the, I to mean, do? Well, what, the, the, what's next is f- figure out how to make this book right now into a really engaging audiobook because I don't like audiobooks. I don't like the way they're done. I don't like mm-hmm. listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I'm trying to do this audiobook is going to be, it's going to be different. It's yeah. just, uh, I have to figure out how to do it. Like, I don't want to be in the studio reading like the Sly Brown Fox. No, I want there to be like a Sly Fox in the studio with me and you're going to yeah. figure it out yeah. as I'm relaying something over the microphone. Like, yeah. It's going to be very interactive. Um, Something I, and I'm toying with the idea of calling it like a literary mixtape. Like there would be music, there'll be a, a performance component to it, but it won't be a regular audio book. And that's that's the next phase of the book. The, that's the next project. Um, book two is, is pretty much done. It's got to get edited, and hopefully it'll be out in this summer. Um, it's kind of like a piggybacking off of the the web series Quarter Life. Um, oh, okay. It's basically if book one is the greatest party of all time. Book two is the eviction notice on the door. <laughs> nice. And that's what the book is all about. Nice. So, um, and then um, what, I would re- what I would really, really and, we're, and Ted Max Food Shack is always ongoing. We're going to try to drop a, a new episode every month in a different city. Uh, I really want to go to Atlanta. I don't yeah. know why. I just want to go to Atlanta. There's something. Because I don't think I've been there in a while. But I really want to go like invade someone's kitchen and do something and say like, yo, we went to Atlanta and did a cooking show. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but something that'd be fun and really cool to do. Um, this girl Tiff hit me up about her cook. Like she's trying to do a cooking show too, and I thought it was like I was humbling that she hit me up to ask me like how I did mine and yeah, you know, asking questions about it. So 
would be cool for me to do is to really help others produce their content like however you like if you have a story how do we develop it you know yeah. does it work well as a mixtape does it work well as a book does it work well as a, a digital series let's develop it let's change yeah. your because I, I really want to do different stories that because i'm a black male yeah. you know um and i want to do now i can write stories and 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 do different things about that experience but i really want to get into other experiences other other um races ethnicities um sexualities just different types of people with different stories that aren't being told like um i think abc is doing a really good job of attacking families from different views you got modern family who's got these different types of families through divorces and all that and then you've got um, the O'Neills, which is about a Catholic family with a with a homosexual in it, and you got Fresh Off the Boat, which is about Asian an Asian family. <laughs> so they're going crazy with these these family stories, but yeah. from different different like angles. Right, right, right. And um, that's because they have writers that are have experienced those angles. So I mean, there's other there's obviously other people out there with their stories to tell. Sure. And they're not seeing their stories anywhere. Mm. So that's why you empower them to tell their own story. So that's kind of what I wanted. I, I, that's, that'd be really cool for me to, you know, be able to pull these people that, yo, I did this, this, and this, and I want to tell the world. All right, let's figure out how to tell the world. So you're, yeah. there's nothing off limits for you. There's someone no. who can't come up with a topic that you're going to be like, oh. no, no, no. Um, so it seems like also um, in connection with that, that you're doing a lot of the stuff, you, you've basically created a foundation. So if someone came yeah. in and like, I, I, I want to write a book, you're like, well, I wrote a book. So I'm, yeah. You know they want to do, and it's and it's cool seeing that, um, and maybe even elaborating off of each what you're doing with if you have the you know the audio book of the Hammy Grail. Um, what I guess I guess I guess you kind of did mention it with the uh, the audio book. What you you have so much creative energy, and you're you know collaborating with other people. What's the I guess the ultimate goal? Do you want to be? Do you want the um, the Dashy Factor to just be like be actually be that brand mm -hmm. and people say say the Dashy Factor and they're like, oh well, he's the creative hub of mm. whatever perspective you want it to be. Um, I don't know if I want the Dashy Factory to be like a brand. It's just basically like the Dashy Factory literally is me pumping out content. Yeah. Dash's factory, just pumping yeah. out anything that gets produced, like anything, any idea, we're just pumping it out. Um, and I, then you want to build brands off of that? Yeah, I, I mean, not to say build brands, but see, I'm I'm not thinking that far ahead. But I'm thinking more so like I want people to like I want the Dashy Factory in itself to be a, a platform, like kind of like Pharrell's I Am Other. Okay. He has this um, YouTube channel where he he's going out and producing other people's stuff too, and um, he's finding these stories and he's finding this content and he's gobbling it up and redoing it reproducing it with better quality and putting it on his in his youtube channel got it and that's kind of what i want that platform to be i want the dashy fact to be a platform for people to know that their stuff is getting viewed is getting consumed um and to know that if you go to the dashy factory you're going to get different types of content you're not going to get the same it's funny i was watching tbs today and i was like this is not the tbs of 2005 sure. like it's a yeah. whole new channel and uh, that's what I want this to be. I want it to be like not like, just a, a new channel. Like it's just like top level umbrella of like right. just a portal for a bunch yeah, of you can kinds see, of content. Yeah, any type of, whether it's all humor, there's other things that aren't humor. I, I really do want it to be a, um, a situation where you can go to and see kind of like how Viceland is. Like there's nothing like Viceland on TV. Yeah. And, um, but they specialize in like docu-series and just, I don't know, they have this the one show called Black Market. It's 
fascinating. It's, it's oh my a, gosh, I love that. It's a fascinating show. The one episode with the Tide, uh, the Tide Soap. Oh, I didn't these see that. These dudes one. were pushing Tide soap out of like these big five, ten. Oh, you were gallon. smuggling it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like this. I know it sounds bad, but it was genius stuff that <laughs> yeah. these guys were doing. Like, and they couldn't arrest them because they didn't have the uh, the label slapped on just yet. So they uh-huh. caught them right before they're about to slap on labels, and they stopped everything. They, uh, you know. I guess had the camera crew. They had this whole thing set up. But when they did it, the guys didn't actually slap on the Tide stickers just yet on the orange buckets. So they couldn't do anything about it. They yeah. couldn't prove. They, couldn't they weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. There was no... They were like bootlegging sort of? Yeah. Yep. So huh. it was... I got an orange bucket and I got a Tide sticker. Yeah. But it's not called... Jail. <laughs> yeah. That was the biggest difference. They it was... They're just making up some cheap like dollar store mm-hmm. soap. Oh, okay. Out of just their own... Trying to put the... Literally, it was name, out of like name. a... Yeah. It was out of like a U-Haul, like the garage, like the storage units. Nice. They're yeah. pushing... Yo. They're doing it out of there. That's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, you could smell the difference from Tide. <laughs> well, no, but hold on. But here, here's, 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 here's what the guy said. He said, tell that to um, a mom of eight kids who's all, doing do it by herself. She needs that much soap. She doesn't care what it smells like. Is it soap? Yeah. Does it clean? Yeah. Okay. Is that, how much is it? 20 bucks. That's going to last her two months versus she's going to the store and buying this little half a gallon, John, for the same price. Mm. Okay. He's selling it to people. Well, who buys bootleg stuff? I didn't even exactly. know you could get bootleg laundry detergent. Dude, that, apparently that they bootleg Nike golf clubs. You mm. can boot, they bootleg, bootleg anything. Yes. Yeah. I am well so. aware of that. I got <laughs> stuff to fade it. They shouldn't have faded. <laughs> <laughs> Sneakers was the funny bootleg stuff. But anyway, um, oh, so do you want this, when, when you have people, you know, collaborate with you, are you trying to like pump them out as your artist and your no. like under the thing or is it like they own their own material they own because just going even even to like bringing it to the hip-hop you know sector of you know creativeness where the whole thing with ymcmb and cash money right where there's this whole contract thing where basically lil wayne signed his whole entire life for the rest of his life right back when he was two uh when he started rapping and <laughs> he's screwed now and yeah. then there's this big miscommunication because you know, the person wants to own everything, every word that comes out of his mouth. What, where's the line though? Cause then what if someone is on your, you know, in your hub and uh-huh. you basically gave them this platform that you've worked so hard for right. and all of a sudden they blow up and then you're yeah. like, Oh, I'm just a nice guy. I just, I just helped them out. And then you walk away. My thing, I, I think that like, even what I've always wanted to do was like, I want to produce something that somebody else will pick up, but then you'd have to pick me up as well. Mm. So if, I'm picking somebody else up. I want to be a part of that project. Like I gotcha. want to, like if you bring me an idea, I want to work on that idea with you, gotcha. and we develop it together. So that it's a partnership because you obviously came to me for a reason. You obviously came to me because you needed to get to a different level. Like right. I've gone to people because I need to get to a different level. Yeah. So, um, I think that's how it should be. Like I'm not trying to. I wouldn't say, oh, I want to own everybody's stuff you're trying to exploit people is what you're trying to do you know i'm not trying to i'm not trying trying to exploit anybody um but i want i want to be a part of the process where it becomes like it might be your idea but i'm helping you develop that idea so when it's done it's our idea it's kind of shark tank you actually i watch shark tank every day i love every single shark tank's awesome there's no more like there's no more episodes i haven't seen like i watch i go on demand every day and wait for the new one to just like release so that i can watch it that day i did it when i get home um, but that's basically what I would want 
the dashi factory to to be like a place where you can come develop your idea we make it something and then we pump it out to the world it and becomes mutually beneficial right to both of you. and if you move on and do your like i want to move on and do my thing i want to like i want to change the book into a screenplay somebody's going to have to change my book into a screenplay mm. gotcha i don't want to write it again so i mean yeah. that's kind of how i see it like i I could write a screenplay, but yeah. I would prefer somebody else to write into a screenplay. Like, I don't want to play the role of Ham. I want somebody else to play the role of Ham. Yeah, you yeah. know? So, every, like, art is a collaborative effort in yeah. any, every aspect. Yeah. So, that's, that's just how I see it. Good stuff. All right. So, after everything we just discussed, and which I think it's great that, you know, we're talking about quarter life and, you know, the beginning portions uh, of life with the Hammy Grail, what would you tell? 15 year old dash so that's 15 is before you start you know, everything 15 year old before you met dash. Dash. dash is 18 um, right yeah something <laughs> that would that you know now or any it's not like we're like the all-knowing wise gentleman right. of whatever but what, what values and, and lessons <sighs> that you have collected what would you tell the 15 year old devin um that you think might have gotten to where you are now faster or just straight solid advice uh, that would it would help. I don't have I don't have like values that I've learned. Like I don't I don't know I don't know. Good. He has God. no values. <laughs> like there's no yeah, values. He got no values. There's, there's no values. Nothing. Like, I'm really a, I'm I'm a strong proponent of like figure it out. Like I I don't like my parents I, they were strict but like my pops was always like figure it out like yeah. just Go get burned on something. Like yeah. go scrape your face. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll heal. Like yeah. I, Manny knows I have a very indestructible personality. Like I'm not gonna die yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh nothing's gonna happen to me. I can do what I want and I'll figure out the consequences of it. And I think that's how I've always lived my life. Like even when things went wrong for me, I'm just like, all right. It, it is yeah. what it is. Just like, another right. stepping stone. This is what has to happen, apparently. Like I have no control yep. over what yeah. I do. So right. I don't know what the va- like uh no 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 it's good i think the answer in in itself is fine because what i have been gathering anyway from oh yeah actually i do have a value all right so go ahead so when i was uh so my thing is you can't judge people for where they are right now Mm -hmm. like i i think when i got first got out of high school i used to the high school I went to um, was a Catholic high school. When I was going there, they were, it was really they were a strong proponent. We sent all of our um, we sent one hundred percent of our senior class to four year colleges, and that was like their thing. Whether it yeah. was a true, whether it was true or not, like that yeah. was the propaganda. And so it was this big culture of you had to get into college, a four year college, whether you knew what you wanted to do or not. Yeah. And you, if you went to community, if you didn't get into those college or it wasn't in a bulletin, like you weren't somebody or you yeah. didn't do what you were supposed to do in high school and you obviously failed high school or if you had to go to community college or you just didn't go to college or if you went to the military and that was, that was crazy for me to, to for like me looking back, like that's a crazy yeah, it is. perspective to have yeah. to put on to like 15, 16, 17 year old, 18 year old kids. Like you must go to a four year college and put yourself in debt because that's the status quo. That's the norm. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have gone to college out of high school but i wouldn't have had such a judgmental perspective on people that didn't go like even my route of going through college i if i was 15 looking at myself right now i would probably be judgy i'd be like yo that's me back then i I think that uh i was naive and i was judgmental on how life worked because i thought i had life like like we said earlier like when you get out of high school i'm gonna do this this and this and when i come home like prince ali i'm gonna be the man yeah yeah, it is what it is and uh it doesn't work out that way so I, i think that uh Maybe that might be something I would tell him. Like it doesn't, it'll never work out the way you think it'll work out. I agree, absolutely. Hmm. 
All right, perfect. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. All right, so before we cut out, Devin, what? Uh, how can people get in contact with you? How can they get uh, get their hands on this beautiful book here? And uh, how can they um, connect with you? I want everybody to so buy the book. I want everybody to view the content. So you can go to thedashyfactory.com. Um, you can get in contact with me by dash at thedashyfactory.com. The book is available on my website, or you can go to Amazon and just type in my name. Or you can type in The Hammy Grail, uh, and it'll come right up. It's available on Kindle. It's available for paperback and iTunes and iBook. But um, it, it's available. The book is available everywhere, The Hammy Grail. And, um, yeah, you can go to the Dashy Factory. Make sure you watch the content, like the content. Um, if you buy the book, leave a review. I do not care what the review is. I just like reviews. So if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. If you loved it, that's cool. Huh. So how do uh, you have any social media handles? Uh, we got the Dashy Factory is on Twitter. So at the Dashy Factory um, and Instagram, it's Machine Gun Dashy. Yeah. I, had that, I had that before Machine Gun Kelly, I think, because I actually liked the the mobster. So oh, gotcha. Instagram, Machine Gun Dashy and Twitter is uh, the Dashy at the Dashy Factory. All right. Perfect. All right, we're going to wrap this episode up with quotes from Les Brown and Lewis Tomlinson. First quote goes, we have to live life with a sense of urgency, so not a minute is wasted. And the second one is by Lewis Tomlinson, live life for the moment because everything else is uncertain. Live your dash. In this episode, we have special guest Devin DeShields, the creator of the Dashy Factory. After giving us a brief bio on himself, Devin explains the Dashy Factory, why he started it, and what the vision is for the company. We were lucky enough for him to explain his new collection, The Quarter Life, which is a new digital series inspired by true stories, Ted Max Food Shack, a new pop-up cooking show, and of course, The Hammy Grail, which is a new book Devin authored, and it's now available on iTunes. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Les Brown and Lewis Tomlinson. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Rotated Views podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, jimmyleevelez.com. Follow the blog. If you have any inquiries or questions you would like for us to answer on a future episode, uh, just email us at info at jimmyleevelez.com. And on behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. And until next time, adios. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Thank you for the love and support. We truly do hope you enjoyed the views.